Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 51. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm very excited to introduce my special guest, Pete Bristow. Pete, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Indeed, I am. All right. It is great to have you here. Pete Bristow, a.k.a. Pistol Pete, owns and operates Bristow's Exclusive Auto Repair in Tacoma, Washington. Along with his talented team, they service and care for all sorts of fine automobiles, along with preparing and setting up track cars for customers who enjoy club events and days at the track. Pete has a lifelong passion for racing and 36 years of experience in working on automobiles with extensive knowledge of how they operate, both on the street and at the racetrack. He is involved in community events and local business associations and is a talented and experienced racing coach and a driving instructor. Pete loves all things cars, especially if it means going fast. So, Pete, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Please take some time and cheer some more about your history, your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, Mark, it started very young. I don't even know how early it started, but uh, uh, it's just always been there. I was uh, fortunate to have my uh, father did all the maintenance on the cars at home. And I always asked him what he was doing, what he was working on and how it worked. (laughs) And it got to the point he's like, well, how about next time I have you do it? I'm like, great. You know, so by the time I was in the third grade, I was tuning up the the family cars and keeping them running. Oh my gosh, third grade. (laughs) Jeez, child labor. And changing oil and setting points and timing. Wow. Loved it. Just, yes, couldn't get enough. How did your um, your passion for cars uh, continue through your, your teen years of driving and then into deciding to make it a career? Gosh, you know, I, um, I'd always followed cars in, in uh, both European, domestic cars. You know, it really exploded when I walked out of uh, um, a shopping mall when I was in high school with my girlfriend and I saw a... 1976 launch a scorpion in the parking lot right at the end so i saw it first thing when i walked out the doors oh, wow. i'm like what is that i thought it was a, a lotus but so i run up to it and it wasn't a lotus it was a, a brand i'd never heard of before you know launch it so my eyes started really looking at european cars from that point on and here i am wow a launch well that's quite a start how old were you then you know i was uh, i think about 17 Oh, okay. And then from there, as you decided to get into, because you've been working on cars your whole life and caring for vehicles, when did you decide to put out your own shingle and and start your own business? I did a lot of work at home. I've always, you know, worked. You know, I was the kid in the neighborhood working on my buddy's bicycles and then our dirt bikes. 
and then once we started driving, working on cars. And I originally got my business license um, when I went to work at a business in Seattle and as an independent contractor. I was a mechanic there. And then I um, said, well, what the heck? I'm doing this stuff at home, too. I'll just integrate that into my business. That was do my home stuff underneath the same business license. And that was 25 years ago. And that's when it all started. It is. And so the joke is my um, I had to quit my day job to get all of my night jobs done. <laughs> well, that's, that's not unlike a lot of entrepreneurs who are doing things, moonlighting, I guess you could call it, on the side. And then it just gets to a point where they realize, well, I need to pick between one or two, and why not work for myself? And as we dig a little deeper into your, your life and, and all the uh, challenges that come with having your own business, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the things that happen. But I always like to, to start this journey with a success quote, a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's, it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Pete, take the wheel. Well, when uh, I'm, I'm doing something or, or coaching um, someone in my staff, or and, and this has been for decades, um, I picked this up early on when I was an apprentice mechanic. If you don't have time to do it right the first time, when will you ever be able to make time to do it a second time? Absolutely. I've heard that from many a mechanic, and it's a great saying. And I'm wondering, how have you incorporated that into your business and, and into your life around your passion for cars? You know, it's it's um, made me successful as a technician by, you know, accuracy with the work that I perform. So the reputation grows from that. And then you, you implement that in all aspects of life. You know, you just want to do the right thing and do the right, do the right thing and do the right thing correctly. Sure. And, and so that just, it just grows from there. How do you get your associates at work for you to understand that? Are there... There are special ways that you teach that thought because that can carry through to so many aspects of your life. And I know you're also an instructor on the track where doing things right is really important or you could go into a wall. But as you think about that success quote, how do you teach that to other people? You know, that's a great question, Mark. <laughs> um, not everybody can learn that. And and so that's, that's a, a big part of owning a business and having employees is getting your entire staff on board. And that's taken a lot of years. Right now, I'm blessed to have a phenomenal staff. And they get that. And it's wonderful. Everybody here wants to do the right thing. And it's, that's, that's just a great feeling. Just to be able to say that feels good. I know that uh, I worked for a gentleman years ago that one of the ways that he taught that was to slow down. And I know it's a great metaphor for the racetrack. And there's many racers that say, before you go fast, you need to slow down. So would you agree with me in that sense that learning how to do things right the first time means not rushing through them? And and it applies to life in many aspects, but especially to mechanics and to racing. It does. Yeah. Because you've got to understand the, the processes from beginning to end. And so slow down, understand it, and work your way through it. Would you share a story with us, Pete, that instigated your passion for cars? What I'm talking about is going back in time to that pivotal moment when you really knew, I'm a car guy, I love this. And it might have been when you saw that launch you, but maybe there's another time you can share with us that really made you realize this is going to be my passion for life. Well, yeah, there's a time I can think of that my dad had all the motors manuals that he used 
you know, for specifications to work on the cars that we owned. I always read those in the basement of the house in his shop as opposed to reading comic books. I would rather read a motor's manual. <laughs> I, have, I have those books. And they went clear back to 1936, so I would read about Delahees and Hudsons and all kinds of just different cars. Oh, wow. And I can remember when the um, 1966 Tornado came out. And, of course, I'm jumping up in the car seat because there's no seat belts then. I'm pointing at that like, oh, Dad, what kind of car is that? You know, he's like, well, that's a, that's a Tornado, an Oldsmobile Tornado. And then he told me it's a front-wheel drive car, and that was just like the most wild thing. I'd, uh, what? What do you mean? You mean the front wheels drive the car? And so for several years there, that was my favorite car. I had a, an Aurora HO slot car of that Tornado body for quite a few years. That's when I just really started to get cars that there's these unique things to cars that makes them different. Besides just looking different, function different also. Well, I'm sure all those years of reading those manuals in the basement, that added to it as well because you were learning about the mechanics. And for someone who was helping his dad tune a car when he was in the third grade, that's pretty phenomenal. And the Tornado was such a unique car in many ways, the the body style, but also the mechanics of that vehicle. And those things, some of them came with huge engines in them. So 450. Yeah, yeah, pretty unique vehicles. And I think Jay Leno even has one of those in his collection of cars. So oh, neat. Yeah, yeah. Well, for a guy who can have any car he wants, that's pretty cool to think he's got one of those. So It is, yeah. Well, Pete, what I want to do now is take a look at, a little closer look at some of the roads you've driven down and really crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty. I'd like you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your business that really pushed you to a breaking point. Go back for our listeners and really share a story when you were just shaking your head, hands in your head going, oh, I just can't do this anymore. Take us to that point. Let us feel what it was like, but more importantly, how you overcame that situation and what did you learn from it? You know, I think that that would be um, last was employed being disgruntled with how things go at, with some of the dealership processes. They're not all bad, but um, dealing with that. And that was one of the things that helped me break out on my own. What was happening there? Take us to, to a specific moment or time, perhaps, that, that really pushed your buttons, that you just went, this is wrong. That would be that um, I think uh, most auto, um, dealership environments, there's obviously different levels of competent and that wasn't being addressed by management and I my where my toolbox was my work bay was right by the door that opened up to the service advisor station so if there were a problem that door would open I'd be the first guy they saw and I'm like gosh that's it just wasn't a good feeling and that was just one of the and I'm like well I could probably do this better and manage this if I have this concern on my own I can deal with it and that was one of the stepping stones that just pushed me over the edge and made me leave the dealership networks and to go out on my own full time. Was it? Did it have to do with the ethics of how they were uh, directing you folks to work on the vehicles, or was it just the systems and procedures they had that weren't correct or right in your mind? What, what were they doing specifically that you just, every time they came through that door, you'd go, oh, no, not again? It wasn't everybody. Um, it was It was just that there was a few guys, you know, there's just in any big setting like that, there's a few people that take shortcuts 
and I'm I'm real particular to not like to take shortcuts. I like to just do everything, all the steps by the book. And so for the shortcuts like that, it just great. It just um, went against who I am. Sure. And that didn't always cause problems with customers, but if it did, I just probably owned more of that by being in that environment than I needed to. Mm-hmm. But to get away from that was um, a big relief because then I would have control about knowing how everything that left my door was taken care of. Sure. Well, that's a, a similar story that I heard with another guest that I had, Tim Morris, who similar story working at dealers and actually was so upset with the way this dealer he worked at was functioning that he really thought about getting out of the trade altogether. It got him to that low of a point, and it's really a shame. But luckily, he pushed through that, did what you did, went out and decided, I'm going to start doing this on my own, and realized that just because one place does something one way that I don't agree with doesn't mean I can't be better at it. And I think that's the big lesson. I would assume that's the lesson you learned. Am I correct? That you you said, you know what, this can be done better. Yeah, and, and, and then I have control over it, and so everything that I do, I know is going to, going to be done right. Sure, yeah, exactly. And that's just what somebody wants to hear when they're having a car service. Last thing want to, they would want to know is that there's corners being cut or things aren't being done correct. So that's great. Okay, Pete, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum and share with us a story when you had a real aha moment in your business and your career a time when you realized that, you know what, I think this is going to make it. I think we're going to be successful. And tell us the steps that you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Mark, I think that would be right after I opened the doors and got a storefront and shop. It was two bays. And all of the connections that I made and all the relationships that I'd had from other places of employment all kind of came full circle. Even people I hadn't seen in several years all came back into my life. And, and it was just, it was almost like a support group because they all remembered me as a technician at different places. And then it was like, hey, you know, this is great to see you. And everything just clicked and came together. And then on top of that, it's the people that I've met as customers and how many of them have turned into exceptional friends as a result of that. Mm. So just do car stuff, we'll do family stuff and other stuff together. And that's just been awesome. The doors, it's open for me as far as relationships and the people that you meet and, and helping people with a car problem in their life because they're not able to do that. And, and for me, I can just work through that and, take care of them and they're relieved and that's just very rewarding to help people through that process and that's that's where it just really comes back and is rewarding oh sure i'll give our listeners an example of that my son and i went to a car show this past weekend and we have an older car and we were driving home and the thing just died stuck on the side of the freeway tons of traffic hot day and we're sitting there going oh what's wrong the last thing you want to do is get out and work on your car on Interstate 5 with cars flying by and trucks flying by. You have your life in your hands. And I called Pete, and he didn't pick up the phone right away. And I thought, well, he's not at the shop today, so I'll just have to have the car towed home, and that'll be the end of it. And as I was sitting there waiting for a tow truck, guess who calls me back? It's Pete. <laughs> hey, I heard you had a car problem. Can I help you? So, 
You know, that's exactly right. And I think your story is wonderful in the sense that all those years you were putting in, you didn't even realize that you were building relationships with people, customers that you were serving. And it's very, very common when somebody goes out on their own that that following comes behind them and helps support them. So that's a great aha moment and a really special aha moment and uh, really helps you realize, I think I'm doing the right thing. I think things are going to be okay. And this group is going to going to help me along. And being becoming friends with people is even better. So that was a great story. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first car, your first special car? You can talk about your first car. That might have been it. And then what kind of special memories do you have with that car? Maybe those were modifications you did to it or trips or things you did in that car. Can you share that with us? I sure can. I um, Well, I'll start out by saying I still have my first car. Oh, wow. Even though some people are like, dude, uh, when are you going to get rid of that thing? And I'm like, um, probably never. <laughs> <laughs> and what is it? It is a 1962 Ford Falcon Club Wagon. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it was the window van. It had all the seats. Yeah. Um, there were four of us kids and my mom and dad, and that was the family Jeepster. And that was the first car I was tuning up. Yeah. And, uh I bought that when I was working at the gas station pumping gas for, I think, $2 an hour. <laughs> and I hauled my dirt bikes around when I rode dirt bikes and raced motocross. And it's been through several incarnations. Actually, uh, my friend from high school, um, he and I painted that. And that actually led to us opening a body shop for a short time in uh, Des Moines. Gosh, one of the things on that that I did was everybody was doing small blocks and automatic transmissions. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to do something different. So I put a bigger six in it and a four, top loader four-speed in it. Oh, cool. And then I'm like, great. Um, now I need reverse. So the high school that I went to didn't have auto shop, but I was PA in metal shop for three years there. And I went, okay, I know what I'm going to do. So I took components going to the uh, wrecking yard and getting a second shifter assembly. So I took components from two shifters and did some mill work and made a shifter mechanism so I had reverse and then all four gears on the column. Oh, wow. Cool. That was pretty fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. cool. And that, that kind of car is one of those cars that kind of went through uh, out of vogue, who cares, and now it's kind of come back to being kind of a little bit of a cultish, iconic, cool car. It is, yeah. It's kind of fun. Now people look at it and they're like, yeah, especially older people who go, I remember having one of those, or my mom or dad had one of those. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I can remember um, riding in our, um, this might be a different story for a different time, Mark. No, that's okay. <laughs> Tell us. We love stories. <laughs> okay. So I can remember riding in our 1956 Nomad to Seattle. Ooh, a Nomad. Cool. Yes. In, in, uh, and that was 1967. We traded that Nomad in on this van. I have moments when I'm like, can I have the Nomad back? Oh, of course. Yeah, Nomads are cool, man. Those are those things are really nice. Yeah, and my mom here a few years ago had found the receipt from that sale. And at the time, we, um, we got a $200 trade-in on that Nomad. <laughs> Two hundred dollars. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, you know, my first my very, very first car was a sixty seven Chevy Nova. I paid three hundred and fifty bucks for it. So and that car was traded into a dealer, so you know that the lady probably only got a hundred and fifty bucks for it. So 
Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's a fun story. Those are great. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've had in your past that you really wish you could have it back? No, Mark, I've kept all my cars. Oh, that's right. That's right. You already told me that. Why did I even bother asking you that question? Oh, come on. There's got to be something you had that you wish you hadn't let go. You know, there is. Um, I had a 69 510 Dotson. Ooh, now there's a cool car, track car. Well, yeah, that was that car was an eye opener because back then when I bought it, I was kind of a I was kind of a snob, and here was this little car from the other side of the world, and I'm like, I'm going to buy this car to destroy it, just to like, and I bought it from my sister for four hundred dollars, and I tell you what, I had more fun in that car. <laughs> I autocrossed it, and I practiced rallying with it. It was awesome. Yeah, those cars were great for those types of things, almost like the old Ford Cortina, those little box cars. They were awesome yeah. on the track if they were set up right. Yeah, it was like a little 2002. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. Well, there, um, you, there you go. I told you there was one you wish you hadn't let go. Yep. Is there a current project you're working on right now, Pete, that really has you excited and fired up? Maybe it's a project for yourself, or maybe it's a customer's car you're working on? You know, I have a few of those right now. Oh, um, great. I'm, I'm just uh, finishing up some uh, some work on a, um, um, uh, a GT3, doing the coolant pipe updates on that, and um, refurbishing the limited slip in the differential. I'm excited to get that back on the road, and so the owner can take it back to the track. And I'm doing an engine job on my first European car with, you know, being my own car, it kind of takes a back seat. Although it, my goal is to have it done by the end of this year. And that is my 1979 Lancia Beta Zagato. Oh, wow. So I got the engine out of that and I'm overhauling it. Did a few mods to it. It had a custom intake cam ground for it and the port's modified to take 45 DCOE side drafts. So it'll, every time I go through it, it gets a little crazier. But, yeah, that's that's uh, one that I'm really excited to get back up to speed with and finish up. Well, Zagato is cool. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, next week down at Concorso Italiano, down in Monterey, they're going to have some, in fact, it's the first time they've all been together, some more modern Zagato-bodied vehicles all at one show. That should be pretty cool. Are you going to be down there for that? Wow. Um, unfortunately, I'm not. Well, I'll take some pictures for you, but I just found out that today when I interviewed my last guest, Frank Mandarano, he's the gentleman who started Concorso Italiano, and he told me that Zagato, they're going to have those uh, very special cars there, the more modern cars, but it's the first time they'll be together, and they they said it's the first time that uh, they'll see all those cars in one place because a lot of those are, are built and sold off, and so it'll be a pretty special Pretty special deal, I think, for and probably be cool for you to see. So I'll make sure I bring back some good pictures for you. That would be amazing. I appreciate that. Yeah, but I look forward to seeing your project done. That'll be really great. I met Andre Zagato uh, at the Zagato Styling House and Workshop in Italy. Oh, cool. Via Frank Mandarano. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Frank's the one I interviewed. In fact, he is uh, going to talk to Mr. Uh, Zagato and try to. Convince him to be on cars, yeah. So that'd be pretty fun. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Italian car guy tour in '01. Okay. Well, Frank uh, just spoke to him this morning, so uh, he'll be he'll be happy to hear that we're talking about his uh, car guy tours. And uh, you enjoyed that trip? Oh, it was amazing. I did not want to come home. I fell in love with the country and the culture and everything up there in Italy. Oh, great. Well, good. Well, I remind our listeners they can uh, they go back and listen to Frank's show. And he was show number 50 and Pete's number 51 here and learn a little bit more about what he does. But it's great to talk to somebody who's been on that experience. So I uh, can't wait to see your Zagato when it's all completed. We're going to hold yeah. you to the end of the year. We're all going to be looking for pictures of that online, okay? I like it. Okay. Okay. Now, here's an interesting question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? And more importantly, why did you choose that car? Hmm. If I was a car, what kind of car would I be? You know, um, so one of my favorite cars of all time, and I might just be like this, was the Launch of Stratos. <laughs> now, you're going <laughs> to laugh at this because... Uh, I believe I had a, a guest on a couple of days ago that picked the same car, so you guys need to get together. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And why? What is it about that car that just gets you? What it did, you know, the, the statement, the, the design and styling statement and what it was designed to set out and do and the fact that it actually did that. It went out and uh, was so successful in European rallying and was so exotic at the same time. Sure, mid-engine and uh, did a lot of different things. You know who, you're going to chuckle at, who picked that car as well was uh, Henry Reisner of Intermechanica. Really? Yep. Neat. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Those are cool cars. Yeah, they're great. So have you ever driven one? I have not. I've ridden in one. And then um, when I did the, the car guy tour in Italy, I got to sit in one at Bertone. Oh, cool. Neutral Bertone's widow put on a, a feast for us, for us with, you know, the caviar and the champagne and everything. And, and they had all these cars sitting out for us to enjoy. And we didn't get to drive them. Some of them got started up, but I got to sit in the, the Mura and the Countach and the Stratos and numerous other cars that were out in the lawn there. And it was just outstanding. <laughs> awesome. Great. So, yeah. Pete, Pete, this is one of my favorite parts of our talk. I call it the last lap. And this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners very quick blips of the throttle answers. So, are you ready? I am. All right. Here we go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Stay insured. <laughs> Stay. Don't, don't drive uninsured. <laughs> don't drive uninsured. That's pretty good advice. Pretty basic, but yes, that's very good advice for sure. Could you, okay. could you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Being positive about what I do and life. There you go. That's excellent. Keep, a, keep the faith. Keep a positive attitude. That's yeah. perfect. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you're really fond of? Perhaps a website or a forum that you go to? You know, I do a few different forums. Six Speed Online, Renlist, AutoWeek and Automobile Magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like, oh, I just had it here, and I, I lost the name of it. Um, Hemmings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Hemmings is great. You just spend hours thumbing through that, looking at all the vehicles for sale. Mm-hmm. 
Pete, would you share a book that you recently enjoyed with our listeners? I tell you, there is a book I like, um, and that is The Art of Racing in the Rain. Oh, by Garth Stein. Yep. Several of our guests have uh, suggested that book. It was a great book. I've always hoped that they would make a movie out of that. Ooh, there's something. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I've been trying to reach out to Garth to be on this show. I think he'd be an interesting interview. Oh, he would be, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Something that's not related to cars that you enjoy doing? I used to do a lot of mountain biking. Not as much anymore. Uh, camping. I'll be doing that up uh, in the San Juans this next weekend. Oh, great. Good. Yeah. Cool. Amateur astronomy. I like stargazing with a telescope. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice to do up here in the Northwest when the skies are real clear. Yes. Well, I'll remind our listeners that you can find links to all these resources that Pete has shared with us at carsyeah.com slash Pete Bristow. Just type Pete into the search box and his show notes page will pop right up and we'll have links to all of these references he's been so kind to share. All right, Pete, we're up to the checkered flag. You know what that means. The end of the race is almost here. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage something you couldn't sell to buy other cars with, and money is no object, what would that car be? But more importantly, why did you choose that vehicle? I would have to go back to the Stratos. And why? Just one of those cars that has always called to me. I've, I've just had this inkling for that car forever. Now, if it's not the Stratos, it would be the Mura. Oh, Lamborghini Mura. Yes. What is it about the Mura that tugs on your heart? First, mid-engine. 12 supercar yeah. and just the looks of it the sounds it just it kind of set that stage for that whole exotic exotic car right yeah it's a spectacular car one of my favorites as well just beautiful i had the pleasure of getting a ride in one uh years ago local gentleman brought one down lime green and oh. sitting in that car and just full throttle down a back road listening to that engine right over your shoulder. Ah, magical. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Yeah, beautiful car. And the designing is just so special as well. I I was at the Lamborghini factory a few years ago and looking at the the, one of the original mirrors they had there next to the first Countach. Just some amazing design when you think about when those cars came out. I mean, they were really way ahead of everything. Yes, they were. So spectacular. Well, Pete, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey and your passion with our listeners. Would you give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Stratos or that Mira, and then let them know what's the best way that they can learn more about you and your business, and then we'll say goodbye. Oh, I think the best way to learn about my business initially is uh, on the website. After that, come in for a visit and a tour. And what's the web address? Bristosauto.com. Well, it's a great invitation for listeners to stop by and say hello to Pete and visit a shop. And one parting piece of guidance that you could share with our uh, automotive enthusiasts before you uh, drive into the sunset? Back in my rally days, uh, that would have been drive sideways, steer straight. <laughs> That's great. I like that. Maybe, maybe not on the streets, though. Not on the streets. No, just on the track or in the forest. Yes. 
Well, listeners, I'll remind you again that you can find everything that Pete shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Pete Bristow. Pete, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time. I know you stayed late after a long day at your office. We're having this interview in the evening. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me before you go home and have dinner and for sharing all your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.